0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing
1: and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, King.
2: Kansas City! Johnson pops a three. Followed oh, the Bayou as says I'm involved, too. On
3: America's more toys.
2: KMOX.
0: Yes, indeed. A warm day in Jupiter, Florida. Brian Kelly, I am not there. Tom Ackerman with you here in St. Louis. And we will go to Ju- uh, Jupiter in just a moment. Mike Claiborne is standing by for a visit with us in nine minutes at 10.15 to talk about a ball game today. The Cardinals take on the Washington Nationals. Great, great uh, feeling, isn't it, BK, to have Cardinals? Cardinal baseball back on the radio station.
2: It really is one of the great sounds of this time of year, the bat and the ball. I I had a women's basketball game about three weeks ago at St. Louis University, and it was a sunny day, and the baseball team was out practicing, and I just stood there for a few minutes just to hear the crack of the bat for a little while. It's a great sign after all the weather we've been through.
0: Yeah, I saw Rammer walking into the mm-hmm. Richmond game on Friday. We both were going to Schaeffitz at the same time, but he made a left turn. He said, I'm going to go watch baseball just for a little bit before I get into the arena. He just The, the SLU baseball team was out there playing. Uh, and it, Like you said, it was a nice mild day, and we were able to catch a little bit of that before basketball. It's good to see that activity on the SLU campus, and it's also hockey season, and last night, I don't know what I was thinking, but I stayed up really <laughs> late to watch this game. This was just totally bizarre. The Blues win the game Final score was seven to six, and if you don't believe me, just take a listen. Here's John Kelly and Darren Pang on Fox Sports Midwest. For Sport
2: crew, long pass ahead intended for play. Now moved in by Sunquist, fires a shot that goes wide. As yes, Couture is given the goal, now the Blues center it and a shot, and they score. The Blues come back, and Scandella has scored again. This is
1: crazy, and the Blues are on top the section 6 game Bob Bugner has left his goaltender in for the whole way and this pass here by Sunquist brilliant he scored in the last game he told us today that gave him a little bit of confidence even though it's in a loss uh, but here he I mean he just makes a playmaker's play right here and Scandella just pushes this puck between the legs of his old goaltending...
0: Par- his old goaltending Fred Devin Dubnik, and the Blues win the game 7-6. They left Dubnik in for all seven goals. He gives up a touchdown, BK. Meanwhile, Jordan Bennington allows four goals, skates off the ice. and What the heck is going on there? So he's uh, barking at one, he's punching and pushing another, he's yelling at Dubnik and going after him. I would not advise that. Bennington's a tough dude, but he's only, what, hundred and. 60 or so pounds, Dubnik is a, a big fellow. Anyway, the Blues lose the game 7-6. Bennington showing some fire, and the Blues outlast the Sharks, Brian.
2: And I love that replay because you can hear them announcing the tying goal in the background as the Blues <laughs> By bounce. Logan Couture, yeah. Yeah, bounce right back and then take the lead again. Uh, you know, they got to show some spunk, especially when you're down talent-wise. You've got to make up for it other ways. So, you know, a lot of people didn't like what Bennington did. I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, And he did get penalized. Right. So uh, but, you know, you you find a spark, you find a way to do it. And then you find I would say that Marco Scandella is not just depth scoring, but really deep scoring. And he gets two. So that's what it takes when you when you don't have the, the talent that they are missing right now because of injuries.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. And, no, I like the fire of Bennington. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the Blues needed that. They need a little life, a little fire, and they got that from Jordan Bennington yesterday, and then they were able to hold off. By the way, Husso does a nice job. He makes uh, 19 of 21. Uh, stops 19 of 21, Sanford had a good game, Ryan O'Reilly had a good game, each had a goal and an assist, and the Blues get a much-needed win. They cannot let that streak go any longer. They had lost three in a row, but they went on the road for the sixth time in seven games. I don't understand that, Brian. Why aren't they playing well at home, and why are they playing well on the road?
2: That's a really good question, and especially at home when there aren't many fans there, because you know sometimes players try to get a little fancier and entertain the fans when they're at home, but that's not an excuse right now. Uh, I heard uh, Craig Berube talking about it the other day. You know, when the players are on the road, they're all together, especially now. And so maybe it just, uh, you know, you, you settle things down. You simplify, as they always say in hockey, you want to simplify when you're having troubles. And, and maybe they just, but, they, you know, they've been good on the road since Berube's been here. Remember the playoff yeah. run? They had much more success on the road. So uh, maybe they like being the enemy. I don't know. But they, they certainly do well on, on foreign ice.
0: Yeah, maybe so. 7-6, they beat the Sharks. They will play tomorrow at Anaheim, and that's also a late one. That's a 9 o'clock faceoff. But at any rate, the Blues get themselves a win, and they're going to get Vladimir Tarasenko back soon, BK. I don't know when, but it sounds like pretty soon. He was on the ice skating on a line with Schenner and Schwartz, I do believe, and that's good. I mean, they want to see what he has. You, you want to get him uh, you know, a little physical out there, take some hits, see how he feels and then get him out there, and at some point during this road trip, sounds like they're going to have him.
2: Yeah, and he's been practicing, like you said, and I saw Steve Ott's working with him physically. I think he can he can do a good job uh, with that. So that's going to be a huge boost. Uh, the, the, on the other side, the bad news is, I guess Jaden Schwartz, his injury is more serious than we a lot of us had thought anyway. There's no word on when he's going to be back, and he's another real key player uh, for this offense. But it'll be great to have 91 back. That's just yeah, gonna be awesome. Cool.
0: Yep, Uh, Tarasenko will be back very soon as the Blues get the win yesterday over the San Jose Sharks. Brian, I want to make mention of something that happened yesterday in college football. Yes, college football is being played, and uh, this is the uh, uh, football championship series, FCS, and Southern Illinois beat North Dakota State. How significant is that? North Dakota State, number one in the nation. And they had won 39 straight games. SIU beat them yesterday and beat them good. Final score was 38-14. Wow. And North Dakota State, again, had won three straight FCS titles, had last lost on November 4th, 2017. They hadn't lost a game since then. They lost to South Dakota State that day. But Southern Illinois beat them. They were sixteen and a half point underdogs, Brian, wow. and came uh, alive and beat North Dakota State thirty-eight fourteen. So I congratulate everybody in Carbondale. What a cool story that is to get your season going. Now they are—they uh, it's not their first game. They're two and one now on the year, but that is just a tremendous accomplishment by those young men. So that's great.
2: Yeah, North Dakota State is always at the top of the rankings, always at the top of the playoffs, and usually in the national championship game. So that is, that's a great upset. Congratulations, Salukis.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I remember calling a game at North Dakota State when they played Youngstown State. It was one against three in the FCS. I called the game on TV and I couldn't hear myself think in there. I mean, yeah, it was the, maybe the loudest stadium I've ever been in up in Fargo, North Dakota. Was I was in that wild. dome
2: when they were building yep. it. They hadn't finished it yet. They were actually there's an ice rink. They they play hockey in there too. And at the one end, it is a, an ice rink underneath the field. And that's uh, a great little facility. You got to have it in Fargo. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was
0: freezing outside. But Always. in there, that was a really, really neat venue. The people were tailgating out there. Oh, and They yeah. love their football up at North Dakota State. And uh, they lose the game uh, to Southern Illinois yesterday. Final score was 38-14. So that's uh, a big congratulations to them. We'll talk a little Valley basketball, by the way, in just a bit as uh, we get ready for... March Madness and Arch Madness for the Valley with the number one seed will be Loyola. Jerry Palm's going to be with us at 1030 to talk about March Madness and who might be where in the NCAA tournament bracket. Mike Claymore at 10.15 after the break to talk Cardinal baseball. 10.45, Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens. 11.05, Nolan Arenado from my garage happy hour. Great conversation with the Cardinals' third baseman. John Moselock. after that at about 11.30, and we'll wrap up with some thoughts from Mike Schild, who has his lineup today, and it looks like this. Tommy Edmond leads off and plays second base. Matt Carpenter bats second. He's the DH. The 3-4-5 hitters are Goldschmidt, Arenado, and DeYoung. Molina bats sixth. Dylan Carlson in right field batting seventh. Batting eighth is Tyler O'Neill in left. Harrison Bader bats ninth. He's the center fielder. Jack Flaherty, the starting pitcher. Klaibs will talk about it with me next, and we will have Cardinal Baseball at 11.55 with a 12.05 first pitch. From
3: KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back
0: to Sports on a Sunday Morning.
3: Oh,
0: yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX It is time for Cardinal Baseball. Take a listen to this. Flaherty holds the ball to his back. Love against the left leg. Nodding yes to the sign from Yadier Molina.
3: Out of the high set position. The runners lead the pitch. Strike three
4: called. Over at the knees. 90 plus on the fastball. Six
0: strikeouts for Flaherty. Oh, did he need that. And he is the starting pitcher today for the Cardinals against the Washington Nationals. That call from opening day last year, which was actually on July 24th. Welcome to the conversation, Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne from Jupiter, Florida. Claibs, good morning. It's a great day in Cardinal Nation, isn't it?
4: It really is, Tom. Uh, We're at the ballpark. Ricky Horton is sitting to my left, and we're watching batting practice. A few clouds in the sky. It's going to be about 84 degrees today, and the wind's blowing in from right field. All those things we like talking about this time of the year, and uh, I'm happy to be here.
0: Yes, we do. We love talking about it. In fact, uh, I remember the last Cardinals spring training game that yeah, they played, you're right. you and I were sitting in that booth together. Mm-hmm. We called that game, and that was a, an eerie day, no doubt. We knew that spring training was going to shut down after that game. Little did we know what was ahead of us uh, for the next year, Clay. <laughs> it's been some journey.
4: <laughs> you know I what? I thought about that yesterday. You and I doing that game, and we had no idea what was waiting for us, and we're obviously still dealing with it. Uh, and lot's changed in the world, but hopefully we can get on the right track starting today.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we have uh, some baseball team here, I think. I mean, it's a run prevention team. It has been. It will continue to be. But the focus is who will provide the offense for this team. Acquiring Nolan Arnato certainly helps. And then the top of the order today, I mentioned the lineup a little earlier, Tommy Edmond will get the first crack at it. Klaibs, what do you think of the lineup?
4: Well, you know, I think that was part of the mission. Once they decided Colton Long wasn't going to be part of this team, that Tommy Edmond was going to get the first crack at it. Um, you know, I think if Harrison Bader can cut down on the strikeouts, he might be in the conversation at some point as well. But you know what? This is you're right. This is going to be a very good team defensively. Uh, we got a lot of pitching, and I think the the difference between this team and other teams is all the pitching that we have have legitimate big league experiences. Because of the virus last year, everybody was thrown into the pool, and whether they could swim or not, we had to find out. So that experience, I think, will certainly help some people, and they're going to have some tough decisions to make with respect to who stays and who goes. They've got three pitchers in the bullpen that are out of options. So uh, a lot of wrangling is going to take place between now and the time we break camp in March.
0: I want to focus on the pitcher today, Jack Flaherty. You had a chance to sit down with him for a 27-minute conversation that was wonderful. Uh, I've talked to you about it a little bit last week, but with a little more time to discuss here, just your overall feelings about Jack as he enters his third full season. He has some talent. He he is, Tom, and he is a
4: guy that when it comes to being locked in, uh, this is all he thinks about. I mean, obviously, uh, he's a huge sports fan. He loves other sports. But I, I asked him one of the questions, I said, what do you do with all this free time? Because, you know, they're really limited on what they could do here in Florida. He says, I like watching video. And I'm thinking, okay, here's another guy who likes playing video games and watching videos of that nature. And he says he likes watching video of pictures of yesteryear and, and trying to pick up little things that will help him be better. And what the interesting part about that that we talked about also is the fact that his roommate or the guy he's sharing an apartment with is Dylan Carlson, who is now starting to watch video of hitters. And I asked him off the air about, do you guys ever talk about hitter facing pictures? He said, no, we're not that close yet. And I know where he got it from because Bob Gibson – told Bill White that one day, you know, I can't tell you everything because one of these days I'm going to face you. But uh, it, it's a great setup that he's maintained, and uh, his preparedness is going to be something we'll feel good about. It won't be because of lack of being prepared on why Jack Clarity won't succeed, but I really feel this is going to be a breakout year.
0: Nolan Arenado told me that he has been paying attention. He goes, maybe this is a little creepy, but I've been observing and kind of really paying attention to Jack, like keeping an eye on him, and I'm really impressed with him. Uh, and that's something when a veteran says uh, and jokes about it also, but says that, you know, I'm watching this guy, that tells you something about Jack right there. And here's something else about Jack that I've noticed. And, you know, people can take it any way, I guess, that they feel. I mean, it's uh, that's – uh, how we are uh, as human beings. We all have our different feelings, but I like how Jack speaks his mind and understands that he can use his platform um, to talk about things outside of baseball. Now, it, uh, whether that's about how our country is operating at this time, um, he has, uh, I don't think, any qualms about saying what he feels, and uh, that's all part of him.
4: No, you're right. I mean, hes a, he's a guy that has no there's no filter with regard to how he feels i mean he's respectful about things and people and issues i know uh and i think you you were on the visit when he talked about you know national women's month in the month of march he says i hope it gets as much attention as we saw with black history month in february so he he's about things that make the world better and uh Being a pitcher is just part of what he does, and he wants to be a person to be able to truly experience life. Um, He's dedicated, and you know, Tom, he's become one of the real leaders on this ball club. I mean, clubhouse-wise, guys follow him and really pay attention to what he's saying, and he's not that hooting and hollering, stand-on-the-table, rah-rah guy, but he's a guy that when he says something, it has a purpose to it.
0: We're going to get a look today after Jack at John Gant. We'll get two innings out of him, and then it looks like an inning apiece out of the rest of them. you got some names in there now. you got Genesis Cabrera is involved in this. You have Alex Reyes. I think this competition for spots five, and as you mentioned to me last week, 5A in the starting rotation is wide open, don't you?
4: No, I agree. And and I'll tell you another thing, Tom. I'm going to expand that to the fourth and fifth starters. And the reason why I say that is because Adam Wainwright was really good last year in a limited season. Uh, I don't know if he has 30 starts in him. So I think you're going to have to look at some other guys you have to pick up the slack. Uh, you know, one of the great things about Adam is he's been really, really good at home. So maybe he's your home, your home starter more than he's a guy that goes on the road to start. Hence, you're going to expand that rotation a little bit more. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of competition. And, and the other thing with the fact that we don't have as many games for people to work with, innings are going to be even more important to, to maintain and really get something out of. So for those guys who we've been accustomed to seeing, we wear number 93 and 94 and 78, guys that are going to probably start in Memphis or A, we probably won't see as much of them uh, because they need to get the guys who are going to be part of this ball club leaving spring training. They need to get them ready.
0: Mike Claiborne at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, final thing for you, just to paint the picture of what your access has been like this week, I know the Cardinals have really tried to get uh, some of the media and our broadcasters some look at this team, and I love the fact that they put you up in the George Kissel Quad high-rise there to get a look at all of the fields, and in particular, live BP. That's nice, and I know they've, they've tried some other avenues to get you there without having you have that uh, first hand contact with the players, but... What has that been like, and what have you observed from the club just overall from that perspective?
4: Well, it, it's kind of an awkward situation because we're really not close enough to really assess a lot of things. We see it, but we can't really assess it. Uh, it it's, it's different. I, I give the Cardinals credit for trying because I don't know if there's a perfect way to do this. Uh, but, you know, you get a chance to see everything moving because there's the four fields, and somebody's doing something on each field. That's the one great thing about Mike Schultz who's organized spring trainings and now Ali Marmo, his bench coach, organizes this one. There's no wasted movement here at, at Roger Dean at the complex where everybody has something to do. We do it in a certain period of time and then we move on to something else. But it, it's been a challenge. I, I'll just put it that way. It's been a challenge to try and assess spring training unlike years past. Uh, but you know what? It is what it is. We'll make the most of it and we'll look forward to coming here next year Uh, with something that we're more accustomed to dealing
0: with. That's right. Uh, One thing that doesn't change, we have the play-by-play, Claves and Mike Shannon, John Rooney, yourself, Ricky Horton, Jim Jackson, ready to go. That's exciting, isn't it, to get the crew back together and put it on the airwaves for the people? It really
4: is. And, you know, Ricky Horton – who stayed up most of the night, I'm told, just going over charts and numbers and everything else making sure that there's nothing he's going to miss in the first game of the spring training season.
0: (laughs) Who are we playing? We're playing the Washington (laughs) Nationals. Yeah, I just had to let Ricky know who we're playing, but now he's he's ready. Oh, good. That's all he needs. Yep, that's all he needs. Now he's good. He's yeah. gonna use his say instincts. Same that.
4: same <laughs> rules as last year. Nine players on the field, three strikes, yeah, all that stuff. Nothing has changed on that front. Ricky just told me that a little while ago. So I think we're in good shape. Perfect. We're ready to go.
0: Perfect. We're good. Well that's uh, we're we're ready to go. Twelve oh five start against the Nationals from the TR Hughes Homes broadcast center, Mike Claiborne joining us from Spring Training. We appreciate it. We'll hear you guys at noon. All right, Tom. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Mike Claiborne on sports on a Sunday morning. Jerry Palm from CBS Sports joins us next. When it comes to bracketology, he's the best in the business. We'll hear from him and let you know what uh, your favorite team is looking like for the NCAA tournament. Back after this, KMOX.
3: From KMOX Sports. Here's the
0: pitch. Welcome back to sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you, getting ready for Cardinal Baseball at 12.05, first game of the spring training schedule. That's exciting. And what also is exciting is tomorrow is March. March 1st, that means college basketball, and that means we get to talk to Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. There's nobody better in the business at taking a look at our bracket. My good friend Jerry, how are you, buddy? It's been a while. How you doing? Good doing good hey I, I let me uh mention some my aunt uh gave me a gift the other day so she was cleaning out her basement because they're moving to texas and found an autographed gene katie basketball and gave it to me <laughs> and laughed because she knows i'm an iu I'm an iu alone I'm like what am i gonna do with this how thing did you, how did Actually, you end I up like with Coach that katie. Uh, they're her. So her husband's side, my uncle's side of the family, they're Purdue fans. So uh, oh, okay. they they grew up around that area. Yeah. So they came up with a Gene Katie autograph ball. So maybe that's my <laughs> gift to you for doing this segment with oh. me, uh, Purdue oh. alum Jerry Palm. How about that?
3: Well, that'd be great. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. Well, get you have one of those. You got some Purdue. Uh,
3: no, I do not. Nope. All right, I've got well his autograph got, on a picture a of Mackie, but I don't have an autograph on a ball. Oh, well. As,
0: yeah. as
3: a, I got to meet Gene several times um, before I was ever doing this kind of work, uh, because I was um, the president of the alumni club in Chicago. So I got to I got to meet Gene quite a bit. It's a great guy.
0: That's neat. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, spent. We're going to talk bracket here in just a minute, but in 2005 at the Final Four when it was here. Uh, Bruce Weber, who was an assistant under Gene Cady, a coach at Illinois, I asked uh, the Illini, I asked Kent Brown if I could have access all day to, to Coach Weber and on Friday before the Final Four, kind of follow him around to his events and everything. And in that traveling party was Gene Cady. And at the end of the day, I went up to Coach Cady and I introduced myself and I told him, uh, you know, after we had talked for a while during the trip, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm an IU alum and I have to admit that we hated you. And, uh, you're, you're a good guy and you turn around, and he goes, he goes, you're pretty good yourself. And he goes, guess what? We hated you too. <laughs> and, uh, we just had a good time catching up and talking. Yeah. I like him a lot, by the way, I'm very sorry to hear of the passing of your radio voice, Larry Clisby. Uh, that is, uh, yeah. you know, we're talking 40 years of, of excellence. And yeah. I was sad to hear that. Jerry. He's been,
3: he was pretty sick the last year and a half. Um, and, uh, it, uh, so in, in that sense, it wasn't really a surprise, but still um, pretty sad. Uh, day around the Purdue basketball family uh, because Larry Larry was doing radio when I was at school, and I'd been out quite a while. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, he's been a fixture around there for, for quite some time.
0: Yeah. Number one seeds right now. Gonzaga gets a win yesterday, but Baylor loses to Kansas. What are your thoughts right now on number ones in the NCAA bracket?
3: Well Baylor's still a one uh, they've had a tremendous season, and one loss is not going to drop them from that line. Uh, I do have them now behind Michigan, uh, and that's not a slam dunk decision either. uh Michigan and, and Baylor both have lengthy COVID pauses, and um, it, you know Baylor's come out just come out of there, so they're they're I think still getting their legs under them a little uh, but you know Michigan lost to Minnesota. And so obviously Baylor's loss is considerably better than that, but Michigan's schedule is also significantly better because Baylor lost uh, a, a pretty good chunk of what's a really good Big 12 schedule, and they're just not going to have time to make it all up. So, uh, but those three are together, and then there's a big gap between three and the rest of college basketball. So Gonzaga, you know, Baylor, uh, Michigan all could take multiple losses and still stay on the top line of this bracket. Although now that uh, the West Coast conference regular season is over, Gonzaga could only lose once.
0: Let me ask you about Illinois. What a win for them over Wisconsin without Io DeSumo. Where do they stand in your eyes? Number five overall, the top two seed. Uh, they're a terrific team.
3: Uh, it's, uh, I mean, DeSumo gets a lot of um, – of talk and and duly so. I mean, he's a, a legitimate National Player of the Year candidate. Coburn's really good in the middle. It's just a, a mountain of a man in there. Um, in a league full of really good bigs, uh, uh, Coburn uh, stands out. So um, it's uh, but they've got other guys. You know, it's not just those two. They wouldn't be that good with just those two. Uh, but it's a terrific team, and, and Brad Underwood has done a great job with them, and they're a legitimate Final Four contender.
0: Uh, Missouri checking in at number 24 in the country. They had a game that they weren't able to play against Texas A&M. They've been dealing with a few of these here and there. Their next game is at Florida. Missouri has had some big quad one wins, haven't they, Jerry? Where do they look for? Yeah, yeah. well, they, you know, they beat
3: Illinois. They beat Alabama. They won at Arkansas, who's the hottest team in the SEC right now. And, uh, you know, the Oregon win is good. I mean, they've got a lot of really good wins, and yet they can't beat Mississippi. You know, they lose to yeah, Mississippi right. State, lose to Georgia. I mean, it's it's been kind of a mixed bag. And I know um, their best player, was it uh, Tillman?
0: Um, Jeremiah Tillman, yeah. Missed,
3: yeah, missed a couple of games in there. And and that's obviously part of, you know, the consideration for them. But uh, it's really been a, a terrific season. They've been uh, more than just competitive all season long. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of a draw they get in the tournament, and how far they can go. Uh but uh, it's uh, they're they're a top twenty five team. I don't think there's any question about that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I was high on Alabama. I really was. I think that I still like them a lot to be a real threat. Just staying in the SEC to go deep, but look out for Arkansas. Wow, I mean they are yeah. on fire right now. They're the hottest team in the country. I think.
3: Yeah, they could be. They they've been flying up my bracket. <laughs> I've got them. I think as a three seed right now, and uh, that's. They've just been – they've been on quite a roll. Uh, And they beat Alabama, of course, the other day. Uh, Had to uh, fight with LSU a little bit for about three-quarters of that game before they were finally able to to put the Tigers away. But, uh, yeah, they've been fantastic. The SEC tournament should be interesting uh, because Arkansas is so hot. Alabama has been so good. Uh, But Florida, you know, really hasn't had a chance to totally show themselves because they they had part of their schedule um, suspended – ultimately canceled because of the uh, problem with Keontae johnson um but they've still played pretty well lsu is is a good team there's a there's a fair number of good teams in this league that could make this tournament interesting plus kentucky's talented and starting to show signs of life not you know they're not there They're, they're not going to the tournament unless they win the whole thing in the sec but you know that they're always a wild card uh well they're not usually a wild card but they are this year because of the talent on that roster
0: uh, we're going to have Travis Ford join us here in just a few minutes, the head coach of the Billikins. slews an interesting case because they missed so many games. They didn't have a chance yep. to pick up some big wins, Jerry, but we know it's a quality team. They, they look like a tournament team uh, recently against Richmond. Are they starting to get into some tournament mode here? Uh, that was a huge win for them, wasn't it? It was. Um, the, the
3: VCU loss was really disappointing because, you know, one thing that kind of stands out on uh, St. Louis's resume is that they don't have a road win of any consequence. In fact, they got only one total, and that's at Fordham, uh, the worst team in the league. So the inability to win away from home and actually really a lack of opportunity to win away from home. They only have four losses away from home, so most of their schedule has been a home schedule, and, you know, that's that's just a function of, of the games that ended up getting canceled for them. Uh, but for St. Louis... You know, the, the L, they've got a win over LSU and St. Bonaventure at home, and those are nice, and it would help them if LSU played better. But I think in the end, you know, short of winning the conference tournament, St. Louis has reached a part of the season where the only teams they can afford to lose to are Bonaventure and BCU, And it would really help if they could beat one of them in the A-10 tournament. Um, but I, I have a feeling that in the end, um, St. Louis has to be the conference champion if they're going to make the tournament.
0: Jerry, finally, the Arch Madness bracket came out. Loyola is the number one seed. They'll play on Friday morning here in St. Louis after beating Southern Illinois. They're ranked 21st in the nation. Drake is the number two seed. They're 24-3 and three overall. Is this a two-bid league, Jerry? If Drake were to win Arch Madness, can they get in with two? I
3: don't think so. I,
0: Loyola, I mean, the pro, the problem is that neither one of these teams
3: beat anybody Outside the league. I mean, their they're best wins are each other. Um, Loyola played at Wisconsin. I was going to say with like a 14, 15-point loss. Lost to Richmond on a neutral floor. Um, you know, lost to Indiana State in the league. Drake has had some injury problems late in the season that have really hampered their ability to make a run at the conference title. Um, I, I just I don't see that large quality resume in either one of these teams. They've got gaudy records, but they don't have a lot behind them. Uh, Maybe, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think it's it's really problematic if neither one of them wins the league.
0: We'll take a look at it, of course, here in St. Louis with games starting on Thursday in Arch Madness. Jerry? I love talking to you. I could spend an hour talking to you, college hoops. We've done that before over uh, cold beverages yes, we in have. the Final Four. Can't wait to do that once again. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for joining me on KMOX this morning. Yeah, sure, anytime. Thanks. And for doing it on short notice too, that means the Gene Katie uh, basketball is coming your way. I think so. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you, man. From He's a good man. CBS Sports' Jerry Palm with us on Sports on a Sunday morning. Travis Ford is next, head coach of the Billikins Back after this. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Cardinal baseball comes your way at 12.05 today, 11.55 pregame. Before that, Nolan Arenado. My conversation with the Cardinals' third baseman, as well as President of Baseball Operations, John Moselock who will be with us live in a little less than an hour from now. Right now, we're joined by SLU basketball coach Travis Ford. Billikens play tomorrow. They had a big win on Friday. Coach, that was a great win over Richmond. How are you doing this morning? Doing good,
1: Tom. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was uh was a good win for us. Uh, you know, I thought you saw, uh, two teams that played well. I thought Richmond played really well. I thought we played really well. Um, you know, we shot 52% from the field. Um, but I thought it was a high level game between two teams, obviously preseason that were picked one, two in the league. And I thought, you know, for the first time in a long time, both teams played up to that level. Neither one of us had been consistent with it. Um, but it was a really good win for us.
0: Yeah, solid win, absolutely, against a good team that has also dealt with some COVID-19 quarantines and protocol, and you have as well. And now all you can do is get your team into what I said before the game, tournament mode. I I thought that your team could get into that and start to really feel that urgency, and it looked like you had that.
1: We did. We did. For the first time, I thought we had a little – you know, sense of urgency about us that we haven't seen in a while, or it's been very inconsistent uh, probably is a better way to put it, um, you know, and, and so we still don't know we're, we're we're from game to game. We're hoping we see that team that plays uh, with that pop uh, and plays with an edge consistently, um, you know, game before that at VCU, or, you know, we had a shot to win it at the buzzer. Uh, you know, we were playing, only playing hard in spurts, playing with a sense of urgency in, in, in spurts. It wasn't enough to compete at the level we need to compete at, but we were much more consistent with our effort, and that's what we're looking you know, to do, you know, obviously, every possession because every game is so important at this point.
0: you getting the ball inside to Hassan French more. Has that been more of a purpose? With 15 points and nine rebounds and three blocks, by the way, Haas had a really nice game for you.
1: Yeah, it's been an emphasis. Um, you know, he, he's played better, um, you know, here of lately as far as on the offensive end. He probably could have had 35 points. He missed actually a lot of, you know, shots around the rim um, that just didn't fall for him, just didn't go in. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the other area, you mentioned the three block. That's an area we've been asking Haas to get back to. Obviously, he's the leading shot blocker in the history of the school, and I think for most of the season he hasn't you know, block shots the way he's capable of. Uh, and I think he's getting back to that, hopefully.
0: You also had a good contribution off the bench from T.J. Hargrove. Uh, he, he I just love watching Terrence Hargrove Jr. play. I, I think that, you know, looking ahead, uh, he's going to be one of the most exciting players in this program. When you get, like, when I see Chaffetz, when I'm in there and I envision a crowd back in there, they're just going to eat this guy up. He is fun, isn't he? Well,
1: yeah, you know, we're looking, you know, he played hard consistently, made good decisions. Uh, You know, he made two threes and when you make shots, you look good. And, you know, uh, he brings energy to us. We just, again, needs to be consistent. We had you know, a lot of few, quite a few guys come off the bench. Martin Linson played really well for us, gave us good minutes. Fred Thatch gave us good minutes uh, in the game the other night. No, and those are things we were lacking. You know, we, the last couple of games, we'd have two or three guys, you know, give us what we needed to win, and then we would get kind of just nothing from everybody else. And, you know, you can get two or three guys being their A game, then everybody else needs to at least contribute, contribute in some way. We weren't getting that, and TJ gave us that, definitely gave us a spurt.
0: You also started Jimmy Bell in that game to bring a couple of bigs at Richmond, beat them 72-67. You mentioned the bench, Linson had eight, Thatch had nine, and then another good day for Jordan Goodwin, 13 points. Javante had 15 as you beat Richmond 72-67. And now UMass, so an earlier start, 5 o'clock tip tomorrow at Chaffetz Arena. The UMass Minutemen, you know them well. What do you expect to see? Well,
1: we had two just absolute dog fights with them last year. You know, we we won an overtime here by three, I believe, uh, and then we had a sixteen point lead at their place and end up losing sixteen point lead in the first half and end up losing the game. Um, you know, and they play their talent is probably as good as anybody in the league. They have as good a talent as we do. They are extreme, uh, really, really high level players, probably. Uh, probably the best pro prospect maybe in our league and Trey Mitchell who gave us 30 down there, six, uh, six, eight, four five man that shoots threes, really, really special player. You know, he's on just about all the draft boards um, and they're going to press you and they want the game to be extremely chaotic. It's, you know, it's a, in a fast paced game. Um, you know, they want you to force you into tough shots, which we did a lot We've got to do a better job, but uh, a really, really good UMass team won a lot of games already this year.
0: Good thing you have some good ball handlers. Uri Collins was back with you and had nine assists on Friday in that game, and certainly that'll be a big focus here moving forward against a team that uh, likes to harass you like UMass will. And then just looking at big picture, I mean, it's whatever you can control game to game, uh, and you can't change the past. I mean, you missed some games from your schedule because you, like a lot of programs, had to go through COVID-19 pause uh, your NCAA tournament chances, I know you can make a case for your team. I know a lot of people can. Uh, it's a really good basketball team. You're just going to have to show it here in the month of March.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, we're, we're being talked about, so that's a positive, um, especially with all we've been through. Um, and, you know, we still don't feel like we've played our best for a very long time. You know, it's been a really long time since I think we put together a great game. Um, so we hopefully have that in us. We just got to find it with, you know, everybody doing it on the same nights. Um, but, yeah, you know, we're, we we have our chances. You know, it's going to be interesting to see when it comes down to it what all they do look at. You know, do they take in consideration the couple of losses we had coming right out of COVID, different things like that. Um, you know, at this point, we just need to worry about the things we can control. Uh, as, you know, we have one more game tomorrow night, and then we head into conference tournament play. You know, the conference tournament, they're doing seeding by, you know, by winning percentage, which is a total disadvantage to a team like us when you don't have as enough games. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a real disadvantage, but it is what it is. We've we, we got to take what's given to us and and and, and rise to the challenge.
0: Well, I mean, if you knock off UMass on Monday and you go into the tournament, uh, people will be – you're not going to surprise anybody. Everyone knows that SLU is a tournament team. You won it two years ago. You had a team that was hot coming in last year. Unfortunately, everybody had to stop. You just never know, and right now the slew team is ranked 50 in the net rankings. A big opportunity tomorrow against UMass, and we cannot wait to have it on KMOX. We'll have it at 5 o'clock, and then that means no coaches show tomorrow, but we'll follow that up on March 8th with a coaches show, and hopefully we're talking about your team on a hot winning streak, Travis Ford. That'd be ideal, uh, no doubt about it, and we wish you the very best. you got a great group of people across the board, and it's been an absolute blast having you back on KMOX Radio.
1: No, we really uh, are enjoying it. We appreciate all the support, and uh, it's a
0: great relationship. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you very much for doing this this morning. Thank you. Travis Ford, head coach of the St. Louis Billikens, with us on KMOX. Big game tomorrow, big one, against UMass at 5 o'clock to continue this thing rolling into the A-10 tournament. We have Cardinal baseball for you today at 12.05. Coming up next hour, we go all baseball. Nolan Arenado. My sit-down conversation with him on the Garage Happy Hour, we went for a half hour. We're going to hear most of that after the 11 o'clock news. Then following that, the man who brought him here, John Moselock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. We'll hear a little bit of Mike Schilt before we take you to the broadcast booth with Mike Shannon, John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Mike Claiborne, and Jim Jackson at 11.55. Back after the news.